I don't want to see an ordinary film. I want to see something extraordinary. Your sacrifice completes my sanctuary of 1,000 testicles. You ever feel as if your mind had started to erode? Welcome to 1,000 Wives of Weird, the podcast that celebrates everything weird, mostly movies. I'm Billy Martell, and with me as always is my co-host... Brad Hefner. And today we're talking about a very particular kind of weird movie, and, and we've discussed the definition of the word weird on this podcast many times. To us, weird does not mean bad. No, absolutely not. Uh, it, we can talk about bad movies here. Absolutely. But we're not necessarily talking about bad movies. Weird also does not necessarily mean just different from our own experiences. Yeah. It can mean that, but for instance, we're never going to talk about just a movie that happened to be made in China and say, this yeah. is weird because Chinese people. Yeah. We uh, wouldn't watch like Dragon Inn and say, look at all these weird hats. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, this is the funny hat movie that we need to tell you about. <laughs> Why are all the men wearing robes? Men don't wear robes. How quaint. Yeah. Like, no, we would we would never do anything like that. If if a movie is weird, it has to be weird in the case in in the case that not a lot of people have heard about it, uh, or there's something unique about it. Or there's, there's something, something special. unique about it. Either in the content Something... of the film itself or how the film was made. Yes. And that's what we have here today. This is the movie we're talking about today, Who Killed Captain Alex? Supposedly the very first action movie ever made in the country of Uganda. I believe it. Uh, Not made... that I know anything about Uganda. Neither of us know anything about Uganda. Up until five minutes ago, I called it Uganda. <laughs> Did you really? No. Okay. Well, uh, but yes, uh, the movie was made out of an area called that calls itself now Wakaliwood. Yep. Where they make the best of the best movies, and they are a homegrown little independent filmmaking company built out of one of the poorest slums in Uganda, mm -hmm. where just a bunch of people there decided, you know what? We want to make movies. They put cobbled together equipment out of shit they found in in in, in uh, garbage dumps around the area, and they just decided, for the love of the craft, they were going to make movies. And the first thing to come out of that was who killed Captain Alex. Here's what happened. Okay, a plane was going overhead. Okay, <laughs> and out of that plane fell promotional material for Kevin Smith's Zack and Miri Make a Porno. Okay. And they watched, they, there was also uh, some DVD screeners in there, and they watched right. that. And one, they're like, hey, we could make movies too. <laughs> yeah. But two, they're like, this Kevin Smith, we need to know more about this Kevin Smith. <laughs> and they're like, wow, he made a movie for very little money. Right. We can be, uh, we, we should be Kevin, the Kevin Smiths of Uganda. <laughs> But yeah, so the, actually, that I was going to bring that up that that the movie does kind of feel has a similar energy to Clerks or, or the first Evil Dead, Evil Dead movie, uh, or some like early Richard Linklater stuff, like just sort just of people who want to make movies, right. and do it to the best of their ability, and just do it. And and uh, there are people. The the original reason why this movie became semi popular on the internet is because the director. Uh, the internet is not as prevalent of a tool over in Uganda as it is in America. And the director, not really knowing what YouTube was, 
just wanted to test out if it was something that he could use in the future. Yeah. He happened to have the trailer for Who Killed Captain Alex still on his hard drive. He had actually deleted the movie already because he only had space on his hard drive for one movie at a time. So he had deleted Who Killed Captain Alex to make room for the next movie he wanted to make. Yes. This is how small time this production was. But they uploaded the trailer. This is not a Neil Breen situation where he has multiple Sony Vios. But that's an important distinction to make because people like Neil Breen are these people who have money to burn. They are uh, incredibly talentless hacks who live out in L.A. like him and and, and Daddy Derek from the... the, uh, What's cool cat from the Cool Cat movie. Neil Breen lives in Nevada. Okay, he lives in Nevada, but at the same time, like these 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 pricks who just think like they're hot shit and they make these. Well, Neil Breen might be a genius. We'll discuss that another day. Yeah, but they they make these movies for uh, all, with all this money. They they lose nothing by doing it. Yeah, and they put it out there. No one's punching down by making fun of Tommy Wiseau. No, Tommy Wiseau is fine. Yes, Neil Breen is fine, but. There was a bit, when when he first uploaded the trailer, he didn't know that anyone was going to see it. He was just trying to test the system, figure out how it worked. And after he did it, he completely forgot about it. Next thing you know, uh, some YouTube comedian, which thankfully no one watches anymore, Ray William Johnson, had picked up the trailer and was blasting it everywhere, being like, look at these stupid uh, jerks Mm. being silly. And a lot of other people watched that and were like, no, this is awesome. This is really cool. And there's this whole there's this whole fandom online now of, of people who have seen this this guy's movies movies that this guy thought his original marketing strategy for getting his movies out there was literally burning DVDs walking around the streets of Uganda and saying you want to pay me five bucks for this movie <laughs> you don't have a DVD player they they can work as coasters <laughs> like like just just that that was his entire marketing department and now people they he has people the commentary track on the dvd which is also labeled as the first commentary track ever recorded in uganda called the guinness book it, yep it was recorded at 4 a.m. because that was the only time they had electricity that day oh okay and it was recorded by a guy from new jersey who saw the trailer bruce online bruce springsteen exactly bruce springsteen and danzig the only man in from a new trench jersey. coat <laughs> <laughs> uh, stacked on top of each other. Like you're a very tall man. Like yeah, that's that's how we are in New Jersey. Yeah. And uh, they they move down. People from all over the world have come and they've they've tried to help these guys make their movies and and uh, express themselves artistically. And it all came from this little movie, Who Killed Captain Alex. Uh, now, of course, as we always say, we want people to see these movies, especially if uh, we like them. Yeah. And but. So before we get into any kind of spoilers, we're just going to briefly give a sort of logline of the plot in our own opinions. Who Killed Captain Alex, very basically, is about the military conflict between some soldiers, these commandos, as they're called. And Tiger Mafia. And the Tiger Mafia, which is just a mafia named after tigers. Yep. And the effect that that combat, as well as a, a murder mystery, I'll let you guess who the murder victim was from the title... Who the famous first baseman? <laughs> exactly, and and how this these conflicts sort of affect the people in the village that both the mafia and the yes. soldiers are fighting over. Brad, what did you think of Who Killed Captain Alex? Well, before I get into that, I want to say that this movie's been on my radar for a while. Yeah, and initially when I it came into my knowledge, it was sort of while I was hunting for good bad stuff. 
Right. Because uh, this is, again, extremely low budget. Yeah. Uh, it's it's hard to explain how low budget it is until you just see it with your own eyes. Obviously, every movie uses fake guns. Yes. These guys are using pieces of wood slapped together in the vague yeah. shape of a gun. Yeah, and the, one, the, the most impressive gun in the movie is literally like three pipes that yeah. they found and they welded them together and painted them. So, but then as uh, I sort of went to a different place with my film watching mm-hmm. and this was once we started the podcast back up this was something that was part of my on my list right i realized that you also have you also like to watch movies from a variety of different countries yeah i want to see movies from everywhere yeah um, so this being and i think it's important this being uh, one of the most Ugandan significant film. films from uganda ever made is, yeah. is a is a legit thing and then i i realized that instead of going well, isn't this funny because it's so low budget? I should be like, shit, they made a movie. Right, yeah. And that, that's great. No, and these these people have legitimately less technology than you and I have, and we're such cinephiles. We have never done what they have done. No. I was hesitant because, again, this was on the list for this show. Yeah. I was hesitant because we have to walk a very fine line, as you said before. Yeah. None we, of this is like making fun of culture or no. punching down. The movie is not weird because Ugandans are in it or Ugandans made it. The movie is weird because a lot of people haven't heard of it. Yeah. These people, it, is, it might be one of the most pure examples of uh, pure filmmaking passion on screen. Absolutely. This is... This is not Avatar. This is this is not a James Cameron piece. This is pure filmmaking love. This is when you're a kid and you're making movies. Precisely. But doing it to actually show people. Actually, yeah. like, doing it just because this is what you want to do. And I, I'd say it's weird because for... And now start to get into my recommendation. For the most part, this is a pretty effective movie. It is. Despite the... The bad props, despite the language barrier, despite the acting, mm-hmm. there's some legitimately pretty good action scenes in here. The story, the acting, most of that didn't do it for me. Sure. I'm sure it's a cultural thing, mm-hmm. possibly like this story might mean a lot more to someone living in Uganda. It might have be yeah. a lot more relevant. It might be a lot more like, oh shit, yeah, we have to deal with... Uh, I think that's... Very accurate, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, but this is definitely worth seeing. One, because if you are a lover of film, you should mm-hmm. be open to all film. Yes. Uh, yes. And especially, and you should be open to seeing what can be done with so little. That's always one of the most interesting things. Like, this, movies like Primer or El Mariachi, mm-hmm. things that are made for micro-budgets, and yeah. are still very effective. Not that either of us have seen El Mariachi, but it spawned a huge yeah. franchise. But yeah, absolutely, Who Killed Captain Alex is worth checking out mm-hmm. uh, as long as you're open to what they're trying to do. I think that that's the biggest the biggest caveat and the and the most important thing to say is you have to be open to what they're trying to do. This is yeah. This is the first film in this entire country's. Uh, cinematic output. Before this, most of the filmmaking that was done in Uganda were music videos. Okay. And in fact, in order to ramp themselves up to making the movies that they always wanted to make, the director originally started his company, Ramon Productions, as a music production company. So he's like the Ugandan McGee. I guess so. I don't know much about McGee, but I'm, I'm I'm guessing that must be it. Or David Fincher, or Zack Snyder, or, or most fucking directors, or Michael Bay. Yeah, uh, but yeah. So he 
he actually i don't know if Zack snyder did uh i'm sure he did i'm sure he must must have but uh (laughs) he at least did trailers yeah but you're looking at this he at least did lines brother (laughs) (laughs) they put together this movie out of out of just the the love of the game the, Mm -hmm. the the passion for the craft and uh you yeah, it's it's just it's a beautiful piece, and and in my opinion, I think I I I got more out of the plot than you maybe you did, and I think part of that is because the reason why I knew about this film already was because I'd seen a review from someone who had loved it already, gotcha. and that person had gone a little bit more into. I'm still not at by any means an expert on Ugandan history, and well, I'm sure we that's will... a shame because I've scheduled you for several panels. <laughs> Are they paying me? Um, they're paying me, and we'll see what trickles down, depending on how well you do. Trickle down economics, the best system. Uh, Ugandan lecture tour, the best system, <laughs> the best, best money making system possible. But yeah, I absolutely recommend this movie, and and what little I know about through the review that I watch, and also the commentary track on the DVD, which I absolutely recommend people watch that. If if I I, I recommend any way that you go to these people's. Uh, official website which is which even though it's been made recently feels like an a a artifact from early internet days it's just the space jam website with uh (laughs) who killed captain alex logo on top of it almost it has it has like animated bits of like helicopters flying by it really feels like your original like you know like this web zone if you want a pizza roll like that that sort of thing and i i love that because i love early internet shit but i i they're the only people that I've ever joined a Patreon for because okay. I think that they are. I just think that they're so cool what they're trying to do and, and the way that they funnel their money back into their community to help because they're a very poor community and they yeah. need the help. Uh, they didn't even have uh, drinking water when making this movie, but we'll get into that. There's there's so much to love about these people and the movie that they put together and the fact that despite having so little resources, there are other movies that have very little resources. Let's say um, an American movie, Manos, the Hands of Fate. Okay. I appreciate the people who made Manos, the Hands of Fate for going out there just being like, let's make a movie. Did they make an entertaining film? No. I think that, that the jury is out. Is, 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 has no, come the jury's in, on that. in, yeah. The jury is in on that one. Nobody likes Manos, the Hands of Fate for the experience of watching Manos, yes. the Hands of Fate. But. These people put together their heads, and they they actually created something that I have no problem calling art. Okay, and I th- I think that that is absolutely tremendous. Also, before we get into the review itself, when the film was sh- the film got a screening in Philadelphia. Okay, and apparently, they are of a similar film f- nerd mindset as us. Yeah, because they filmed a special introduction for the film for the Philadelphian audience, and they at the end of that introduction the director warns the audience in philadelphia oh no philadelphia the tiger mafia is coming for you now (laughs) and they showed footage from the movie where spoilers i guess this is the first spoiler of the movie at a certain point a helicopter bombs a city and to show that the city that they were bombing was philadelphia they took a building and photoshopped an image of Eraserhead's face. They didn't go for Rocky <laughs> or any other more mainstream Philadelphia thing. They said, that's Eraserhead, great. that's Philly to us. And they bombed the hell out of Eraserhead. Oh, I bet they love Eraserhead in Uganda. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. Another thing I want to point out yeah. is it needs to be appreciated that when these folks decide to make a movie, mm-hmm. they said, we're going to make an 
action movies. Oh, yeah. The hardest genre to do <laughs> on a low budget. Um, yeah, no, most of the time when low budget filmmakers go for something, again, Man of the Hands of Fate, they go for horror. Or because, clerks standing or, around in a convenience store or primer, literally just everyday settings. Or Right, right. You, you go for something that most indie directors go for these guys went straight like let's go let's go all out let's swing for the fences and apparently that was because most of the films that they were familiar with that they grew up on were schwarzenegger movies and 80s action films they would uh and in fact the director himself had almost had never seen a movie oh really he started he just loved movies because his brother would go to the, the cinema would come home and would describe the movie to him, and he'd be like, movies are the best. <laughs> <laughs> and so he went out and he made this. And I, I, think that's, I think that's absolutely beautiful. One last thing before we get into the plot. If you are going out to see this movie based on a recommendation, one last thing you need to know, unless you're buying the DVD, there is a certain quirk about Ugandan cinema that you're going to encounter and be probably very confused by, because we certainly were. Yes. And this is called Video Jokers. Apparently in Uganda, when you go to a movie theater, there is either a pre-recorded track or so often sometimes someone live in the theater watching the movie with you with a microphone, making fun of the movie as it goes along. Either just making random references. They're usually like radio DJs or yeah. uh, popular local comedians they'll make references to their own material they'll 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 make fun of people in the audience make fun of the movie all this sort of thing and this is a significant part of the movie going experience in uganda mm-hmm. mystery science theater 3000 riff tracks is like baked into ugandan cinema on yes. a fundamental level so when they released the movie overseas they released it with a video joker track. Yes. And almost this is widely available on streaming services. It is. But they will have this uh it's called VJ Emmy talking and riffing over yeah. the movie. We watched it without this. We watched it without this and I this we I did we both had thoughts about well if this is what they think movies need to be seen yes. as culturally, shouldn't we watch it that way? And in the end, we 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 both chickened out. Yeah, because we are just not used to that. And watching it, we I did try and watch it that way. At one I point, did too. And it was so alienating to me. Yeah, and it's again. It's not saying that Ugandans are wrong for this. No, it's just... Culturally, we could not adapt. And it's something that there's... Like, it's just watching a fucking movie. Like, there's nothing... Yeah. We can just do it eventually. Like, it's something we should, as movie uh, connoisseurs, we should check out. Yeah, Especially with your great love of this, you should see how... Yeah. Ugandans would appreciate it. Absolutely, yeah. It's, it's, it's... Yeah, th- this is our failing <laughs> more than anything. Yeah. So we decided to we decided to approach it just as the movie itself without the VJ track, which, as far as we are aware, the only way to do that is by buying the DVD Blu-ray set yes. that I was able to buy off of their website. If you think that that's going to be too much of an impediment for you, then send some money to Hollywood, and they will send you not only a DVD Blu-ray set, but they will also send you so much merch. To thank you for spending sending them any money, they are so sweet. I got a thank you letter, like a personalized thank you letter, along with my DVD. Oh, cool! They're so they're so sweet. But anyway, let's now before we get into the plot. Okay, I've brought a guest. Oh, you have. I brought <laughs> an expert on Africa. Oh, thank God! This uh, segment can't go wrong at all. <laughs> uh, please welcome to the show, Alan Quartermain. Oh, hello, hello, yes, it's me, Alan Quartermain. <laughs> I know I sound like James Mason. <laughs> 
I mean, I've just got off a ship and my voice is raspy from the salt air. I mean, I've always thought James Mason would be better casting for you than Sean Connery was. Well, I don't hit women, so (laughs) Sean Connery's right out. (laughs) Well, there you go. So, so what was your take? So, so uh, Alan Cordman, what was your take on who killed Captain Alex as, as an expert on Africa? Well, first I was driven insane by this uh, box that contained moving pictures. Because <laughs> I'm from the 1800s or some dumb shit like that. <laughs> I, I can see. Th- okay. That so when my good friend Brad <laughs> had me watch this movie as your expert on the 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 great dark heart of Africa. Uh, I was... I could not understand this wizardry. But then he explained to me how it worked, and I watched it, and as this is the only film I've ever seen, it is by default the best. Good. I think... Well, I mean, I I can't think of a better recommendation than that. I I have a few notes. Okay. I think somebody should have shot some elephants. (laughs) I think maybe there should have been a mine uh, filled with gold that I could have taken. I could have reached into the screen and taken. They actually don't seem to be very into big game hunting uh, in Wakaliwood. They they actually made a follow-up film called Ivory Trap, which specifically talks about the the dangers of overhunting in Africa. Mm, so yes, I don't well, think they're on the same wavelength as you. Well, I'm very persuasive. <laughs> sure, if we had a little chit-chat, I could Gather all the ivory. I was once caught in an ivory trap. It was uh, <laughs> someone put a great load of ivory under a cardboard box, propped up by a stick. Wouldn't you know? I scuttled under there, knocked the stick out, and I was trapped. How how did you ever escape? I uh, ate the ivory. <laughs> how did I know that was? And uh, it poked out of my skin like a porpentine, <laughs> and that pierced the box, and I was able to lift it up. And now I'm, I'm sure you've noticed, but it's still there. <laughs> yes, I have. I'm like a hermit crab. I didn't want to say anything, but I had, I had noticed. Well, yeah. I just tell people I have elephantitis. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's jump into the, the, the plot yeah. of the movie. The opening text that it, it comes on before the movie, I believe not just on my disc, but also on the streaming services yeah. and everything, it gives a brief explanation of the backstory that it's the first action movie ever made in Uganda, written, directed, shot, and edited by Nabwana Isaac Jeffrey Godfrey, or IGG as he usually goes by. It was made from home in 2010, quickly became a sensation throughout the slums of Uganda, and it is technically a lost film. The only version that we have available to us is a low-resolution DVD master, again, because the director erased the whole fucking thing. And the film production, to add to the adorableness of this whole thing, the film production company, Ramon Films, is named, is a combination of the two grandmothers that raised the director. Oh. Rachel and... Ra the Sun God (laughs) and the Mona Lisa. (laughs) The thing is, I think he he would actually enjoy that joke. (laughs) But no, Rachel and Monica... Oh, it's Friend. Oh my god, I didn't even put that together. <laughs> he was raised on the set of Friends. The third grandma, Phoebe, he doesn't like to talk no. about. He doesn't like to talk about her. Uh, but yeah, they they raised him during a time of Civil Could War Captain in the Alex 80s. Could Captain Alex be any more dead? <laughs> during a time of Civil War in the 80s that inspires a lot of the events of this movie. Gotcha. There's a brief 
kind of sort of action movie at the beginning that ends it's, up turning out to just be kind of the produ- production logo. Yeah, sort of. It's just like just sort of some behind the scenes stuff, some yeah, it transitions, green screen stuff. Some, it transitions from the green screen stuff into showing the green screen setup that they had and and showing some behind the scenes footage of them making fun of each other. Uh, an actor is afraid to do a stunt and they're like, "Commandos aren't afraid to jump. You're no commando." Stuff like that. And watching all the kids practice their martial yeah. arts because there's a lot of martial arts in this movie. There is apparently there's a big uh, uh, kung fu tournament circuit in Uganda. Oh wow, Kumite! I guess so. Uh, I had no idea that that kung fu was a big deal in in Uganda, but why not? It's it's, it's fucking kung fu. It's awesome. We should take your taekwondo skills, right? Yeah, and my very uh, out of practice taekwondo skills, and we can go on the circuit in Uganda. <laughs> I'll be your I'll be your corner man. Okay, you'll you'll be you'll be my Mickey. Yep, I'll be your cut guy. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> win or lose, I think we could uh, make a movie about the Great White Hope. You right in no, Uganda? Figured, oh God, uh, sure. Yeah, that that makes sense. Oh, uh, you know who would be a really offensive name for you there? <laughs> what would the German be? Shepherd? Oh Jesus Christ. <laughs> Oh God! Yeah, let's not do any of that. <laughs> let's let's not do any of that at all. Uh, is well, this a self confidence thing where you don't think you're good enough? Because let me tell you, pal. <laughs> no, it definitely has to do with the, you, the idea of being going under the name the German Shepherd. Okay, you don't like that one. <laughs> I'm not a fan of that. the The area where they make their movies again, they call it Wakaliwood, but the real name of it is it's a slum called Wakaliga, I yes. believe. And they say that they want to. They want their movies and, and Walk Hollywood to grow so big that it absorbs not only Bollywood, but also Hollywood as well. I'd say, absolutely. And Go how for do it, you man. feel about that? Oh, you're in favor of this I'm cultural in encroachment? Favor. Absolutely. You don't want to preserve the wonderful <laughs> integrity that is Hollywood? I No. <laughs> you don't want to protect our way of life, Billy. <laughs> what way of life? Um, <laughs> 800 Fast and the Furious movies? Shrek 6? Okay, you know what? What are we going to leave to our children (laughs) if every movie is who who killed Captain Alex? You know what? If 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 they make a Shrek versus Fast and Furious movie, then I'll think about protecting Hollywood from Hollywood. Okay. At that point, they'll have gone so far over the edge that I'll be like, you know what? You're worth saving. Also, though they have this just entered my head, uh, they they have actually started moving uh, further outward because they're, at least last time I heard, in the middle of filming their first uh, international co-production with China. Oh, wow. They are shooting on location. They're shooting a martial arts movie on location in China with a bunch of, lo- of other martial artists over there. And I think that's fantastic. But yeah, so the the, move, the opening of the movie with all the, the showing all the people working on preparing to make the movie and all the behind the scenes stuff it, it it's the perfect introduction to a movie like yeah. this it kind of reminds me weirdly of the opening of the movie version of jesus christ superstar i was just about to say that yeah just sort of uh drawing attention to the artificiality of the yeah. process this should have been a musical <laughs> glorifying I mean, it, christ it almost is a mu- well, not the glorifying christ part but it almost is a musical uh, with a, the amount of musical numbers that are in the movie. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of instrumentals of pop songs. There is there is a lot of... We, we will get to that. <laughs> we open uh, the film on a press conference 
with a soldier named Captain Alex. Yep. Uh, he's trying to fight against the evil Tiger Mafia, and he fights out of the village of Wakaliga playing itself. Yeah. Set up base in the only area the police chief can uh, lend them. Sort of flooded, shitty area. Sort of flooded, sh- shitty area. I believe he makes reference to it being part of a sewage plant. Yeah. And says, don't worry, I'll warn you before I flush, or something like that. Yeah. This movie does is a bit of a an action comedy as well. It's basically whatever they wanted to make. Again, yeah. a lot like Clerks, a lot like Evil Dead. They were like, this might be the only movie we, we ever make. Yeah. Put everything you can think of in there. Now, in reality, the location where they are out back of the director's actual house. Okay. And the reason why it looks as shitty as it does is because that's just what happens when it rains. All right. In the slums of Uganda, is it just everything floods. We see the soldiers in, I guess, a diner or a restaurant, a bar somewhere. Uh, some like nightclub or yep. uh, cabaret something. Uh, where the soldiers start asking for music and uh, a special performer that they all seem to know and love. Mm-hmm. Natasha comes up and sings a song. Natasha was a performer for Ramon Productions' music label. Oh, wonderful. And they asked her if she wanted, like they asked all of their artists, they asked all of the artists that they knew that had worked that they worked with in the past if they had any costumes that they could borrow. And if they wanted to be in the movie. And Natasha said she would be in the movie, but she didn't want to act. She just wanted to she just wanted sing. to sing. As I said, they didn't have any actual drinking water when making the movie. Okay. And they didn't have anything else that could stand in for alcohol or anything in the in the in the diner. So what they used was thankfully the room that they were filming the diner scene in had just been freshly painted. Okay. So they took the cups that the painters had washed their paintbrushes in. Okay. And that's why in the film you see everyone is always pretending to drink a lot of blue water. Because that's what they had to pretend were beverages. I just assumed that this was a Star Wars sequel and they were drinking blue milk. (laughs) Sure, yeah. I just assumed that Captain Alex was a direct descendant of Baru. (laughs) Who killed Captain Alex? A Star Wars story. Yes. The... I I have to admit, if this is the direction the the Star Wars spinoff movies are going in, I'm I'm enjoying. They it. should let IGG do a Star Wars movie. They should let him remake Rogue One. Yeah, it would be a much more interesting movie, and he would have let Donnie Yen do a lot more martial arts. Should have done uh, Rise <laughs> of Skywalker. Natasha's a big hit. Everybody's dancing. A soldier gets drunk and goes on stage and starts bothering Natasha. Yeah, which immediately erupts into a big bar fight. And this bar fight is pretty fucking good. As as with most of the fight scenes in this movie, when the fights start, they go harder than you would expect, yeah. given the quality of the filmmaking so far. And it's usually sped up. Yes. Which is whatever. But yeah. really, and we talk about this all this time, all the time off the show, a good fight scene comes down to editing. Oh, absolutely. How long you can uh, have a sequence go on for before you cut, mm-hmm. uh, how the cutting is done... Yeah. This isn't like John Wick where it's like a four minute scene without a cut. No. This but this is there's some a good amount of trading blows. Yeah. And the cutting is so that you feel the impact. Like it feels yeah. right. It feels they, natural. They set up the tables in just the right way so that the the actors don't necessarily get hurt, but they can still smash the tables and, and or have actors appear to fly through tables yeah. in, in, in creative ways. The action in this movie is definitely, I would say, the best part. Like, yeah, they, absolutely. They really, for, for the first ever action movie, 
action is a weird learning curve for a lot of directors. Tim Burton, for example, has been working in Hollywood for years, including making two of the most popular Batman movies, and he's never been able to make an action scene work. Yeah. Not not once, not ever. Kenneth Branagh was attached to making a big Marvel movie in Thor. The action scenes in that movie are fucking bizarre, because yeah. he had no idea what the fuck he was doing. It's hard. It's, yeah. it's hard. Um, and there's, there's, and with these... and. In my head, I'm I'm looking at these these guys out there in Uganda with nothing making this, and I'm hearing again going back to Marvel. I'm hearing Jeff Bridges in my head saying, "Tony Stark was able to build this in a cave with a box of scraps." Captain Alex breaks in, breaks up the brawl, and uh, tells everyone just to stop being assholes and stop treating the villagers right. To, gives them a a, a huge uh, talking down to gets or a huge lecture. As the soldiers are leaving, the last one in the bar throws a bottle against the wall uh, at at um, either Natasha or the bartender. I wasn't sure. Someone. Now, I wanted to... The reason why I spend any time talking about the scene at all... Yeah, I wanted to talk about this, too. Okay, you had something to say? Uh, yeah, about this uh, bottle throwing. Mm-hmm. There's When this happens, there's a super noticeable cut okay. between uh, her ducking down and the impact. Yeah. And I really appreciate that because it's inelegant, but yeah. they didn't endanger the actress. Exactly. Not because I assumed Ugandans would do that. Obviously. But but I absolutely... There are some filmmakers in America, there are filmmakers in Japan... Yes. ...who would absolutely endanger that actress. Absolutely. Uh, And sometimes it's... And especially inexperienced filmmakers with zero budget... Yeah. They'll just go, fuck it, throw it at her, duck. Again, one of the films that we already compared this to, The Evil Dead, Sam Raimi straight up drove a motorcycle into Bruce Campbell. That's yeah. not a, that, that's not hyperbole, that's not a joke. He crashed a motorcycle into Bruce Campbell to get the last shot of that movie. Because they didn't know what the fuck they were doing. Yeah. They're, they're stupid college kids. And they're Bruce Campbell was like, yeah, you can hit me with a motorcycle. Yeah, you can do that. But like, so yeah, we're, again, not making fun of Ugandans. Just or expecting sh- them to do something dangerous, but it's just like... In general, for independent filmmaking, that's more care than we're used to seeing. Yeah. But I actually wanted to talk about it on another level. Another person who made the this movie kind of blow up online was a popular youtube channel called the search for the worst or i hate everything okay and in fact he was such a big part of making the movie uh, popular that his video about the movie is included on the dvd oh yeah for some reason i don't know i don't know how that happened or if, if they're all good friends i don't know when he talked about the scene he talked about it being a useless bit of fluff to add some extra action to the film and i feel like I feel the need to highlight this scene because I feel like this scene is sort of setting the groundwork for the theme of the entire movie. In that being the almost the opposite of this, the the famous ending line of of uh, Seven Samurai, where they talk about there's some so there's some line at the end of Seven Samurai where they talk about how the villagers all get to go back to their happy lives, but the soldiers are the ones who suffer. Mm-hmm. This movie almost has the exact opposite message, where the soldiers, sure, the soldiers go through a lot of shit. No one is saying that soldiers don't suffer and that and that troops don't have difficult lives, but the experience of the director as a child, and he talks about this among the commentary a little bit. But for me, even watching the movie for the first time, it did kind of come across that way. In his experience, when he was a child, uh, being raised by his, his two grandmothers, he had to run away from hell. He had to run away from helicopters that were threatening to shoot them down oh, in, wow. in the middle of the street. He had to watch soldiers come into bars and just like sexually assault, like these soldiers trying yeah. to do in this bar. Random women 
and get away with it because they're soldiers and they and they're they're important and you have to respect the troops and all this stuff. And this this is not even something that is unique to Uganda. There are, when when the U.S. soldiers occupied Japan after World War II, they fucked up everything. Yeah, like they there there was a lot of problems with just Americans thinking that they fucking owned Japanese women because they were big big dumb heroes and they yeah. and they deserved it. Uh, so to the, there's a big underlying theme in this movie, as silly as it is and as fun and campy as it is. There's an underlying theme throughout this movie about the toll that civilians take being caught in the middle of this big, this otherwise superhuman sort of struggle between yeah. supposedly good and evil that, frankly, I think more American action movies could learn from. Yeah. Because the amount of times you watch, again, a Marvel movie, uh, Captain America versus Winter Soldier, where the Winter Soldier and Captain America are wrecking cars all over the place, and not a single mind is set, is, 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 uh, is given paid, to collateral is, is damage. given to collateral damage or the people killed on the sidelines and this movie manages to make a lot of the deaths not all of the deaths but a lot of the deaths count uh, in a way that a, a Hollywood movie never would uh, and that's that's sort of more what I was talking about when I was talking about like the I'm sure we would appreciate it more if we knew more about Ugandan history but just yeah. the stuff that he was talking about in the commentary and the the little that I know about his history that I think does come through in terms of the artistic merit of the film itself. I mean, and also this sh scene shows that Captain Alex has control of his men. Like he yeah. can, like it, it's not useless. No matter no what I uh, and Captain again, Alex is is established here that he is the uber. He's the Superman. He yeah. is he is the good guy, the the lawful good character. And also, it's just a fucking great fight scene. Yes, if no. it's entertaining and a movie's job <laughs> is to entertain right First then it foremost. is useful and successful precisely all right we just came back from a break where we came up with uh two wonderful concepts <laughs> the first being george lucas and steven spielberg as bill and ted s characters <laughs> themselves but as bill and ted s themselves right yeah uh trying to come up with indiana jones right and the other one was orson welles time lord <laughs> I am equally excited about both of these movies, and they will cross over. Oh yeah, well no, because Orson Welles is the time traveler. He's the Rufus, right? For uh, George Lucas and Steven Spielberg. Oh my God, there definitely is an alternate reality where Orson Welles played Rufus and Bill and Ted. I don't know that that's a step up. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that it is, but it, it's definitely something. It's definitely something that happened. Party on! <laughs> Party on, dudes! <laughs> Be excellent to each other. <laughs> you show me a song that can save the world and I'll go down on you. <laughs> we then cut from, from, from the bars scene. We abruptly cut to the soldiers in action uh, during what the captions inform us is Operation Cut the Tiger's Balls. Yep. There's some very impressive uh, location work. Yeah. Uh, first time watching it through, I assumed that this was just where they, they lived, but it turns out they actually did scout locations. They found oh, cool. they had been wanting to make a movie for years, so they had all these locations mapped out. They were like, yeah, if we ever make a movie, this is going to be a great place for an action scene. Oh, and cool. they used all of them because, again, they didn't know they were going to be making another one. I do that with the uh, various abandoned schools I break into <laughs> and roam the halls of in my cloak. Right. <laughs> 
Do, do you just do that to, to, again, scout locations for your eventual movie? Or it's part you... of my mindfulness routine. Oh, okay. During this sequence, a soldier gets shot off a watchtower. Yes. And he has a very high-pitched scream. And I was like, is that supposed to be a Wilhelm? I, I, yeah, you do kind of wonder if, like, do they not know about what the Wilhelm scream is? That they're like, that's how people scream in yeah. movies. Do or, or if it's just like, I don't have the ability to get this sound clip, so right. just do it. Right. Now, one thing that is important to note, the way that the action scenes were filmed in in this movie is that the director is a big proponent of the idea of everyone having an artistic side. Everyone has a creative side, is what he he believes. And whenever someone would come and say, I want to be in part of your movie, he would say, are you willing to not just be in the movie, but also exercise your creativity on my behalf? That's awesome. And... uh, they were like, oh, I don't know if I'm a very creative person. He would help. He would try and help them bring that out of them. That's really cool. If someone said that they, I really like Schwarzenegger movies, you'd say, well, why do you like Schwarzenegger movies? What parts of that, what can we bring that you love to this movie? Yeah, and I thought that was absolutely incredible. So a lot of these action scenes, he would literally get all the actors together and be like, "What? look at what we have. What do you think we can do here? What shit do you think we can do? And people would get excited and they'd be like can i like swing on a thing or can i can i fall off a ledge and like oh it's like great let's let's fucking do it let's do whatever we can do it's fascinating how community based this filmmaking style is it really is yeah and this is very similar actually again uh, relating it to another western movie dawn of the dead was filmed in a very similar way whenever a western uh, as in from the West. From the not, West. Not, not, a, not a cowboy movie. Not a cowboy. Uh, My favorite Western, Dawn of the Dead. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so like a Tom Savini, when he would do like action scenes with the, with the zombies and stuff, he and his crew would just be like, what, He'd what, be what there talking to the, to the puppets. He'd be like, what do you guys <laughs> think? What should we do? Because he was nuts from the Nam. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, of course. But yeah, people would just come up with ideas and throw them out there, including extras who were only being paid a dollar a day to play zombies. It would just be like, we can fall off here. <laughs> people would just come up with this shit, and it's great. But yeah, the Tiger Mafia are played by a bunch of more plain clothes wearing people. Yeah. That's the only way to differentiate between the soldiers and the and the mafia. And this is the mafia's wearing plain clothes, the soldiers are all wearing general green fatigue. Either all of drab or camo or yeah. something. Again, they just grabbed whatever costumes they could find, yes. usually from pop stars in the area that they knew and had worked with in the, in the past. And the guns are, again, made out of piping and shit that they just found lying around, and a lot of them look pretty great. Yeah, they look fine. Yeah. This is a... We do a lot of live theater, and oh, this yeah. is a, a thing that... This feels like a like a community theater movie. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But more than that, it's like some people with sets are like, we need a really elaborate set. Even, it, like, mm-hmm. it needs to be very well designed. And my thinking is... I know I'm watching a play, or I know I'm watching a movie. Right. The more realistic things are, that helps, but Sometimes. it's not going to take me out of it if things are simpler. Yeah, like, there's that's something that I feel like we've ta- we've touched on before is that the the artifice of of watching a movie and a, a, definitely the artifice of watching a play because he, that's even yeah you could argue that's even worse because you're literally sitting yeah in front of a stranger pretending to do something and you're like you're not pouring that drink right now yeah so like and and uh there's a famous uh story about the playwright and and uh founder of the artistic movement that shared his name uh Bertolt Brecht he started his movement of Brechtian 
theater because he got really pissed off one day going to a theater and seeing that they had rigged up a working faucet on set. Oh. And he was like, what the fuck is the point of that shit? What is the fuck is the point of that shit? Get out off the stage. He got so mad that he went out and he decided to start just start an entire theater movement based around being as simple and simple and completely a completely skewing realism. Brechtian so plays feature characters who will come on stage and be like, "I function as the main character." This chair represents my car. Like, like they're literally written like. Sounds that. like I need to read some Brecht. Absolutely, um, Brecht is Brecht is a huge uh, force in a lot of artists that we love, including David Lynch and like a, just a ton of people. I fucking love his attitude about things because I also feel like people. This is, I think, one of my biggest problems with the Dogma Dogma ninety five cinematic movement. It stresses realism so much as yeah. if that's where you find truth in art and that's not at all what truth in art fucking means yeah and here's what historians later found out about brecht okay is the reason he started that the reason he got so angry about that faucet is right. he had rabies and was experiencing hydrophobia of course yeah and he yeah. was like what <laughs> water <laughs> at the theater <laughs> fuck you god damn it <laughs> This will never happen again on my watch. I'm going to be the change I want to see in the world. He thought we all thought he was against realism, and turns turns out he's just, just against really, water. Really against water. Can water come through this? It's too complex. <laughs> Captain Alex is his, was Breck's favorite movie. Yeah, because because there was no water that hadn't been tainted by paint. Some say the spirit of Berthold Brecht. Uh, tainted their water supply <laughs> in order for them to make this movie. Berthold Brecht, a fam fa big fan of hydrogen, big fan of oxygen. Put them together, fuck you, and double up on that oxygen. <laughs> and double up on that oxygen, or no, double up on the hydrogen. <laughs> Whichever, whichever. He, he hated he fucking... either way. He hated it. <laughs> he hated any any he, he the, the Berthold Brecht religion said hydrogen must not lie with oxygen <laughs> under any circumstances. Exactly. Uh, anyway, the the Tiger Mafia are doing some sort of illicit activity. And They're always just doing vaguely crime. Just vague, vague crime shit. It doesn't matter. Briefcases. <laughs> they have briefcase yeah, crime. Exactly. They're they're essentially they're 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 trading back and forth the briefcase. I can only assume is the briefcase from Pulp Fiction. Probably important to note here. Spider Man is in on this deal. Oh, is he? Yeah. As they're doing their illicit crime nonsense here. We clearly see one of the, the Mafia members is wearing a Spider-Man mask. Oh, I did not notice. Which means, as far as I'm concerned, this is now a prequel to 3 Deva Dem. Okay. So that's evil that's... villain Spider-Man, and this is the Mafia that was trying to track him down at the beginning of that movie. <sighs> and killing him for, for breaking ties with them. In real life, the reason why he has a Spider-Man mask is that that's actually one of the main characters later in the movie. Oh, okay. And they did not have enough extras that day, so they just grabbed whatever would cover his face. But... I now consider that canon. Yes. Yeah. Someone should have said, Adios, Mafia. There's a brief scene where the, the commandos, as they're sneaking up on the on the Mafia, uh, push a car off screen. This is literally because, just as they were filming the scene, they ran out of time, the time frame the owner of that car had given them to use it, and they were pushing it back <laughs> on camera to where the guy had told them to put it. Uh, and then the big fucking fight scene breaks out, second big fight scene of the movie and the biggest one so far there are two main fight scenes in this movie that are just like full-on fucking 
free for all. Yeah, like expendables action sequences. Yeah, expendables level action sequences. And again, fucking a, the scene is fucking awesome. Yeah, it's pretty great. Honestly, it is better than the fight scenes in the Expendables because there aren't as many quick cuts. It's it's to, insane to make up for the fact that there are a bunch of sixty-year-old men pretending to shoot each other in those movies. Like having to just do it, yeah. means you have to just do it, right? And so you can just keep that shot. You don't you don't need to iron fist it. You don't need to fucking yeah. Half the fucking action movies we see, like. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, these guys somehow understood the very intricate art of action editing and filming and directing and choreography. And again, most of it was just like the director turning to his his cast and crew and being like, what are your favorite action movies? What are your favorite action set pieces? Let's fucking do them. What can you do? What are you capable of? What are you willing to do? Yeah, it was a truly collaborative experience as all art is. Whether you believe in auteur theory or not, all filmmaking is a collaborative process. Unless you're alone in a room painting a sunset, yeah. that's it. <laughs> like it's it's it, art is collaboration. Yeah, I wrote down this 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 gives me a it, I I got started getting a sense of shame as a, as a as a as a wannabe filmmaker watching all this crazy shit that they did with way less resources than I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, as a privileged white guy in America, uh, with a with a fucking high quality camera in my fucking phone. Uh, Alan Quartermain, uh, how does what you saw in Who Killed Captain Alex compare with your general experience of Africa? Oh, yes. Well, normally in Africa, I see a lot more dead animals. <laughs> just heaps of them, just piled, stacked to the sun, and I shot them all. <laughs> but Jesus Christ. I am a coward. Oh. <laughs> So I've never shot, I've never gone into a fair battle. Oh, okay, good. I just shoot animals. And when I go, when I'm at home in London, I go to the local veterinarians and I'm asked, say, do you need any animals shot? <laughs> They're like, no, Alan, please go away. I think you might have a problem, Alan. <laughs> My problem is I'm running out of animals. <laughs> Apparently. Uh, you will, you will find this interesting though, Alan, um, so there is some CGI blood explosions and some CGI yes. fire. However, there are also some legit squibs yeah. in this film, which is very impressive. Uh, unfortunately, being first-time filmmakers and not knowing exactly what they were doing, in these earliest scenes of the film, the squibs are full of animal blood. Okay. That they 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 found they they you can see in, in even in this action scene there's a very funny scene where they're shooting at each other and some cows are just running for dear life past the camera but they they just oh are you guys making a movie <laughs> that's exactly what they're but they're the what they're making but they just got some animal blood and they would splash it on people's faces and it, it got inside the actors mouths oh, and no. inside actors cuts and stuff like that and none of them complained because they didn't know any better yeah uh and then they a lot of people got sick apparently so they don't do that anymore a lot of people turned into cows a lot of people turned into <laughs> chickens oh yeah no a lot of this is absolute every animal by the way i don't know if anyone knows this but this is an important science lesson every animal operates by vampire rules yeah if you get the blood of any animal that's not your animal in in your bloodstream or in your mouth or anything like that you're 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 turning into that animal exactly yeah that's why you should only drink human blood right yeah all only drink human blood and only fresh human blood ethically sourced ethically sourced exactly you also get to see some martial arts in the film there's some actually really fucking good martial arts yeah. okay after the battle we cut to the home of one of the crooks again we know he's one of the crooks because he's wearing 
plain clothes. Mm-hmm. He was not at the fight. And it turns out that he is actually the uh, the head of the whole Tiger Mafia named Richard. Richard. My favorite character in the movie. Richard Tiger Mafia. Richard Tiger Mafia. None of the acting in this movie is what you would call Shakespearean. No. But, because again, it's just a bunch of people who wanted to make a movie. And here's where I think the language barrier actually helps the movie a lot. Oh, I would, I would agree. Yeah, definitely. But the guy who plays Richard throws it all at the camera. This man is fucking Gary Oldmaning it <laughs> in Fifth Element. Just like exactly, he leaves it all on stage. He does not take hold anything back. This is his fucking moment. This is his time to shine. <laughs> that's that is exactly. And that's great. Get it, dude. Absolutely. You know he 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 makes this movie for me. But he's he's at home. He's watching TV. And on TV, uh, well, first he has to move the Minnie Mouse doll out of his chair, yes. which I, which was funny. And, and there's like a uh, band that seems to be kind of uh, sort of, I wrote them down as they're the Destiny's Child style band. But again, apparently they're just two recording artists that worked for uh, Ramon Records. And he gets the news on the, on, the, on the show that Captain Alex attacked the Tiger Mafia during their illicit suitcase deal. Yeah. And that not only did they rout the, their forces, send them running, but they also managed to kidnap his brother, Martin. Oh, man. Martin! Martin! Martin, obviously an homage to... Uh, um, Martin the Warrior. No, um... <laughs> He, uh, George Romero is Martin. Oh, obviously, a yes. Fan, a favorite in Uganda. A favorite in Uganda, yes. It's the only movie they have over there. <laughs> Eraserhead, Martin, and Be Kind, Rewind. Those yes. are the three movies that they fucking love. Oh, and Zack and Miri make a porno. Those yes. are the four movies that they fucking love in Uganda. But yes, so uh, Richard is very distraught, very upset. He is. He loves his brother. He loves his brother he loves so him like a brother. fucking much. He, he does, and he gets so mad... Uh, that he smashes his TV with a metal pipe. Yes. And in the commentary track, the director explains... <laughs> the director has a very dry sense of humor and is just constantly shitting on his own movie throughout the commentary track, which is awesome. Yeah. Uh, but he's, he's he says, you see, he bought that TV to see happy things, and that wasn't a happy thing. <laughs> so he smashed the TV because it wasn't doing its well, job. Well, that's a great, that's a great <laughs> character bit. Like, that's yeah. wonderful. That's a great, like... I love I love IGG is the the nickname of the director goes by. I fucking love him. He <laughs> sounds great. I wish he I wish him every success. Did we pass the part where Tiger Mafia is fleeing and an instrumental version of Don't Go Breaking My Heart starts playing? I think we did jump over that. But yeah, okay, that's the first instance of an instrumental version of a pop song, which yeah. I one hundred percent believe they do not have the rights for. I think actually, yeah, when they're running, they have that, and they also Dude, have later we hear Kiss from a Rose a couple times. Kiss from a Rose is played a lot in this movie uh don't go breaking my is that an abba song i'm not sure who it is don't go breaking my heart i don't know either but i I feel like i also heard a bit of an abba song at some point during there but i don't remember which one so maybe we're thinking of the same song i don't know one of the people who we did see escape was this uh lady with some uh uniquely colored hair yes I forgot to write down what color the hair was, and I my ADHD it's ass okay. is forgotten. It's not that important. It's not that important. But she comes into the house to to talk to him, and uh, he's like, "You guys let my brother get kidnapped." She's like, "Your brother fights like a bitch." <laughs> 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 But at least they saved me, your wife. And he says, I have dozens of wives. Yes. I don't need you. I've only got one brother. 
<laughs> well, maybe he should marry some more brothers. Uh, exactly. So he, he calls his soldiers who are... We've named... had sister wives. Why not brother wives? Exactly. The head of the Tiger Mafia's soldier uh, crew is named Puffs for some reason. Puffs. Which I misunderstood the first time I was watching it and thought that his entire crew were named the Puffs, which confused the fuck out of me. Short for the Jigglypuffs. Apparently, Puff. the reason why the, 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 the head soldier's name, or head bad guy soldier's name is Puffs, is because that is his real name. Oh, okay. Uh, and he's another recording artist. Uh, who goes by the name Puffs. Puffs Daddies. Uh, well, Puff Puff Daddy, as it turns out, has actually been a reference to this guy the whole time. Yeah. He's this guy's father. That's why he had to change his name to P. Diddy. <laughs> right. <laughs> because they're estranged now. Yes. But yeah, the soldiers are afraid that Richard is going to kill them for letting his brother be captive. And one of them, who is apparently a Russian... Uh, a mercenary, mercenary with no name. He's just called Mercenary. Who is my and other favorite character in the movie. He's like, I don't want to deal with internal politics like this. I just came here to do a job. And you know he's <laughs> Russian because he dresses in red. Right. <laughs> and he says, Dos Vidania a lot. <laughs> Which the director also makes fun of on the commentary track. <laughs> well, like, good. I'm glad he has uh, awareness. The, the the guy who's like interviewing him, like the guy from New Jersey I mentioned, Bruce Springsteen in a yes. trench coat with, uh, what's his name? So, IGG, would you say you were born to run <laughs> but he says so this guy's from russia right and, he, and the director's like he just immediately starts cracking up like sure <laughs> sure he's from russia the fuck why not uh but no but he's, this, he's he, an amazing character he's though. an amazing character he's one of he's the also our, uh, of the film he's also our jesse ventura for this movie because he has the big gun he has yeah. the uh <laughs> yes exactly the jesse ventura of the film absolutely uh, but yeah, he he has the best gun and he has all the best lines of yes. just being like, I don't care about this internal politics shit. Are you paying me? Fuck off. I, I absolutely love that the character. But yeah, so Richard in, indeed, it turns out, is in fact a crazy person. Yes. And comes and just starts randomly shooting his men. Oh, I love this. Like it... <laughs> It's literally, it literally comes out of fucking nowhere. Out of like fucking just... nowhere. In, specifically in this scene, like, he, he shoots a lot of his own men in this movie. Yeah. Uh, but specifically in this scene, which might be the best Richard moment in the whole movie, he, he, he peaks early, is when, uh, once again, Puffs points out, we may not have saved your brother, but we saved your wife. He's like, that bitch pulls out a gun, shoots her through the throat. <laughs> Shoots her through the fucking throat. <laughs> and I just wrote down, holy shit. Yeah, no, that was that was fucking cold. Like that's some cold. There's some brutality. Shit. And well, we'll talk about it when we get there. But Yeah, uh, and then he beat he beats the shit out of Puffs and he says, Uh, you bastards, I want my brother, and I wrote down, My God, I love this movie. Yeah. And then it turns out this whole time, they've actually had a spy in among Captain Alex's ranks. Mm -hmm. uh, a woman uh, who is uh, Captain Alex's girlfriend, or she puts it, Captain Alex is her bitch. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I love the way people talk in this movie. I definitely wrote down her name somewhere in my notes, but apparently... Oh, Vicky. That's yeah. her name. I had to scroll down. Vicky is is the spy. Because they have kid, they've, they've been able to capture uh, Richard's brother, they decide they need to take revenge on Captain Alex. Mm -hmm. Richard wants Captain Alex delivered alive. No disintegrations. Yes. Uh, and Vicky says, don't worry, I will be able to manipulate him into a spot where you guys can... She's going to lure him into the Garden of Gethsemane. Exactly, yeah. Where you guys can literally come in and, and, and take him away. And I, you bring up the Garden of Gethsemane, there are actually like a lot of biblical parallels in the following scene. Yeah. Where she's like, 
she's telling him, you have to go take a bath. You have to undress and go take a bath. And he's like, I don't... And Captain Alex says, I never undress. I always have my gun with me. Yeah. And I kept, like, I kept thinking of Samson and Delilah. Like, this, this, it's like, what? oh, what's the source of your strength, Captain Alex? The fact that I've never once bathed <laughs> and I carry a gun with me at all times. No one's ever seen my butt. <laughs> if anyone sees my butt, I will become the weakest soldier alive. <laughs> and then Delilah, when he's sleeping, shows everyone his butt. <laughs> Pulls down his pajama bottoms. Pulls down his pajama So a weird combination between uh, Samson and Delilah and the... Uh, and Noah's children. Yeah, was it Noah's children that yeah, that's, yeah. looked upon his nakedness. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, before that scene happens, Richard also goes to the police chief. We find out the police chief has actually been working with Richard for a long time. Yeah. Uh, again, all the officials in this movie, except for Captain Alex, are completely corrupt mm-hmm. and uh, they're corrupt or apathetic, as we're going to see. Or apathetic yes. after the titular death of Captain Alex. Exactly, and he says, "Let let my brother out of jail." And the police officer says, "I can't do that anymore. Captain Alex has locked everything down. He's taken everything." And Richard, in an incredibly petty and hilarious moment, is like, "Fine, I'm going to take your guns." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he just grabs a whole stack of guns, and the police was like, "I'd really rather you didn't, <laughs> Richard, <laughs> Richard, <laughs> Richard." Richard, give me my guns. <laughs> I wish Tiger Mafia leaned more into the Tiger theme or leaned into it at all. Like That would be... I, I, I do kind of wish that they did I understand that, yeah. that they don't have the budget to have everyone in like Tiger onesies. Right, they just grabbed whatever costumes they but, could find. Uh, I wish like when he grabbed the guns, he went, Wow! <laughs> Instead, he just yells at the cops, Suck my dick! Yeah, <laughs> Again. which is pretty good, too. Which is pretty good. But yeah, it's it would have been, been really funny if he just went... It's like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Vicky re-enters the camp, is immediately hit on by all the other soldiers mm-hmm. before getting to Captain Alex's tent and, and going through the whole Samson and Delilah bit yeah. we just talked about. This is another thing that uh, we watch a lot of exploitation films yes. from a lot of countries. And one thing that's pretty across the board when it comes to exploitation action films, which again... Not calling Captain Alex exploitation, but it is a very low budget action film. And it's that is, grindy. That is usually the per- yeah the the purview of of grindhouse or exploitation. Yeah. Generally, a lot of them deal with sexual matters. A lot of them have mm-hmm. a lot of nudity, a lot of sex. That is one thing where Captain Alex uh, very much differs. And again, I think it's a cultural thing. I think it's very much a cultural thing. Also, the fact that from the commentary and stuff on the DVD that they prayed before every yeah. day. They're probably a religious community. That oh, was absolutely. not okay for them. But something else that weirdly a lot of movies, even exploitation films would not do unless it was a bad, unless the show was up that someone was bad is to imply drug use. Yeah. So in the scene, she says, if you go take a bath I'll have a treat for you. My mind immediately went to sex. Okay. But instead, she starts miming a joint. And Captain Alex, who we know is the most virtuous, pure character yes. in the film, is like, that sounds awesome. So, again, this is this is, this is is the weirdness you get into with cultural differences. This movie, sex, absolutely not. We don't even, we don't even think about sex. But fucking, but legalize it? Fucking A. Absolutely. And you're the complete opposite. You're a fuck hound. <laughs> you're yeah, yeah, you're the yeah. sex addict supreme. I'm, I'm an absolute all you talk sex about 
is pussy, 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 pussy. Yeah. Uh, and you fucking hate marijuana. I no, I'm you. I'm, uh, I'm absolutely straight edge, except when it comes to pussy. Every day you call the DA, DEA mm-hmm. and ask if they're going to be burning down any marijuana fields. Right. I think that we should be going. I. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, I, and you were like, "Can I? Can I get on the flamethrower?" And they'll be like, "No, you got to apply. You got to apply. There's an application <laughs> online." No, I wouldn't want to see. See, I wouldn't want to be part of the flamethrower because there's a possibility that if I you was burning inhale. down the weed, I might inhale. Well, that's why and you that have your would, gas mask. That would de. That would uh, taint my pure soul. So I can't. Gotcha. Can't can't do that. Me, I, I. Besides, there's so much pussy. I need to be crushing. Yeah, true. I need just just to be crushing pussy. Well, I. I <laughs> And I'm sorry I was going through your things, but I saw the blueprints yeah. for that plane that would drop bombs on marijuana fields <laughs> while you fuck. <laughs> it's it's a, pl- a special cockpit. It's literally called literally, the cockpit. Yeah. yeah. You see what I did there? Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, that it's a, allows it's a plane you... that's powered by the gyrations of my hips. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah. If I stop for even a moment, the plane crashes. And I love the name, Air Force Come. <laughs> Thank you. I spent a lot of time on this. <laughs> she hands the towel to uh, Captain Alex to go to go uh, take his bath. Even though he he agrees to undress and go take his bath, he refuses to 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 leave his gun behind. He carries his gun everywhere, even to the toilet. So meanwhile, the dastardly goons of the Tiger Mafia creep into the camp while Captain Alex is bathing. And Vicky calls Richard on her special walkie-talkie set, uh, saying that it's all set, he's on the way, and is, is buttoning up her jacket, and then suddenly there's a gunshot. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I will say, if there was anything to improve in this movie, uh, just and I'm not talking from money perspective, just in terms of like technical competency. Yes. This scene could be better done. Now, the scene is supposed yeah, to be is, confusing. Yes. It is supposed to be confusing because this is where the murder of Captain Alex takes place. Yes. I didn't know that we didn't know who killed Captain Alex until way later. What? Okay, so in the movie, what's supposed to happen is he's supposed to be going to where he's supposed to take a bath. Yeah. And then the goons are supposed to take him. But somewhere in between him going to the bath and being taken by them, he is shot. No, I understand that. And we never learn... Well, I'm explaining it for the audience. Gotcha. We never learn... Who killed Captain Alex? Who killed Captain Alex? Thus the name. However, in fact, it, in the commentary track, he, the director is asked several times who killed Captain Alex. He's like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. That's not the Society. point. Society. That's not the point of the movie. Uh, but um, Captain Alex, the most the most pure, the most uh, superhero esque soldier, the the best soldier, has been killed, and we don't know by who, and we never learn. But when I was watching the scene. I just assumed that I had misunderstood Richard's intentions and that the soldiers had killed him. That, that, that the goons from the Tiger Mafia had killed him. Gotcha. It wasn't until the next scene... Where you realize, uh, like, oh, this is supposed to be a mystery. Yeah, where the so- where literally the goons are talking to each other and they're like, who killed Captain Alex? I didn't. Did you? Did you? Did you? If only Angela Lansbury were there. <laughs> the original white savior. I, I will say that it did kind of remind me of... There's an infamous scene in both the book and the movie of The Big Sleep, the okay. famous Philip Marlowe story, where uh, a character, a chauffeur, I believe, is murdered, and it is never revealed throughout the whole story 
who killed that character. And it was something that the filmmakers didn't notice about the book that they had read when they were adapting it until way later in production. They realized, oh, fuck, who kills this character? And they went back to Raymond Chandler and asked him, uh, the chauffeur, who kills him? And Raymond Chandler fuck if I know. Uh, Marv. <laughs> okay, Marv killed him. And Marv, Marv from also, Sin City. Marv from Sin City. Marv from Sin City also killed Captain Alex. Yes. Actually. With what, his mitts. <laughs> with his mitts. Uh, I don't know about you, but I'm having a ball. Speaking of which, who do you think can, killed Captain Alex now that we're here? <sighs> Again, I'm going to go with my original answer, society. Society. The corrupt... Uh, now, do you, do you mean society as I mean the as Brian whole, Usna film. Or the Brian Usna film, or yes, specifically I, the alien species in that film that has like a hive mind. I think he tripped and fell on a copy, on a Blu-ray copy... <laughs> Of Brian Usna Society. <laughs> and I think uh, one of his soldiers found him and was like, this is an undignified death for the glorious Captain Alex right. to be impaled on this pornographic film. <laughs> I'm going to shoot him so it's more dignified. Uh, okay, I can, I can buy that. Who do you think killed Captain Who Alex? Who do I think killed, killed Captain Alex? I think that... Uh, I think that Captain Alex, on his way to the bath, decided that uh, he was being childish by always taking his gun everywhere, especially in camp. Who, who could hurt him? Mm -hmm. So he decided to leave his gun behind halfway to the bath, and the gun, having developed such a, frankly, toxic codependency with Captain Alex, was so offended at being left behind, even for this one moment, that it, that it itself gained sentience for a moment and killed him. Sounds reasonable to me. I think both of our ideas are equally plausible. Option C, Leland Palmer. Perhaps Bob is the evil that, <laughs> that men do. <laughs> Bob is the Tiger Mafia. Bob is the Tiger Mafia. Someone call David Lynch and get him down to Uganda. <laughs> Fucking quick. By the way, I, I do want to say before we, we leave uh, Alex behind, uh, Alex... Again, partially because they just they just had the people that they had, and they didn't um, they didn't have any choice really uh, in terms of who who was playing who. But uh, this movie, and this might also be a cultural thing, has a lot of rather pudgy characters in the film, and I am very happy about that. I didn't really notice. Uh, just in terms, in compared to the Western movies that I'm used to seeing. Everyone in Western movies has to be like rail thin. Even yeah. if, even even now nowadays, even if you're an old fuck, you're supposed to be like a, a Clint Eastwood old fuck, like yeah. completely uh, razor thin and and still fuckable for some reason. The Whereas, only flab you're allowed is in your tits. Uh, precisely, and even then, well, Hollywood is is angling more and more towards flat chested actresses. Uh, so disgusting. Russ Meyer would be ashamed of all of Russ you. Meyer is shitting in his grave right now. <laughs> More than usual, even. Yeah. Russ Meyer, famous uh, grave shitter, but more than usual, and angrier shits. In this movie, Captain Alex himself is... Let me ask you a serious question. <laughs> okay. I hate where this is going already. <laughs> Let's say... Yeah. You know how, like, uh, Catholic churches, especially, like, in the Middle Ages, had, like, reliquaries, like, artifacts of saints? Sure, yeah. What if there was the body of a saint mm -hmm. that... Still kept shitting. <laughs> that was one of the miracles of the saint. Do you, do you think the church would recognize that as a miracle? 
I think they would at least notice that I think they would at least notice that it was odd. (laughs) I think. Well, no, obviously it's going to draw attention. But do you think? (laughs) Do you think the church would officially acknowledge that as a miracle? This shitting corpse. I, you know, it's it's such an unprecedented thing. I think that they they would have they would have to have a lot of meetings about it. They would have him in. They would have the body in the area where they get it cleaned up for public. Yeah. uh, where they cons- polish them bones. Where they polish them bones, them bones, them dry bones. But they they would have them down there's like, uh, we have a problem with the body. The body will not stop shitting. Like, we've we've looked inside of it. It doesn't make any sense. There's nothing in there. Like, no. the stomach is empty, but it just keeps shitting. And, <laughs> and I think there would be multiple discussions like, this must be a miracle. But if it is, what does it mean? What is the Lord trying to tell us? Can we, in good conscience, let the world see this? Is it too profane? Like, what... What is this? Is this from the devil, not from the church? Like, we're not from the God. They This would be, like, a significant issue that would have many, many theological debates going forward and might even uh, cause Vatican III to finally happen. Possibly. <laughs> yeah. Now, let's say the church does acknowledge it. Okay. Would you go on a pilgrimage to see the shitting saint? Absolutely. Would you Ab- kiss their bony feet? <laughs> No, because it's a dead body. That's gross. But like, it's I would bones. But man, you what... put bones in your mouth all the time. I've seen you. <laughs> that's 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 an aphrodisiac thing. That's only so oh. I can. That's it's only the marrow. The marrow gives you more fuck power. That's that's only so I can run my 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 cockpit plane. <laughs> What did you call it again? Uh, uh, Air Force Come. Air Force. That's only so I can run Air Force Come. Gotcha. I need to chew the bones. You need to get. You need the essence I, of the bones. I bone. need to chew the bones in order to maintain my bone. Gotcha. Yeah. You're using uh, Chinese folk medicine. <laughs> you, that's yes. why you have all that fermented tiger penis in your fridge. <laughs> that's exactly. I've been meaning to ask. Right. But yeah. I don't like to pry. <laughs> I mean, you already read all my blueprints about Air Force Come. I'm not uh, sure. Yeah, obviously I just go through all your shit, but yeah. I don't like to bring it up publicly. <laughs> Until today where we're just airing out yeah. all of my dirty laundry. But yes, so he he was shot. She, uh, Vicky calls Richard up. It's like, oh my God, uh, Captain Alex is dead. The soldiers find Captain Alex's body. The, the mafia members and Vicky are hightailing out of there they managed to kidnap two of the soldiers yes and take them with them uh for really no reason no like, real no, reason no real uh, end game there no and it doesn't really help them it doesn't hurt their plans there either, but... there are aspects of this film that are legitimately good bad like there are oh yeah it's not a great script uh there are no and it's, sh- it's... there's shit that doesn't make sense yeah it, like it, it's almost like it's the first movie made from a community that never made a movie before. Yeah, but, and it's it's <laughs> it's okay to delight in some of these missteps. Absolutely, because clearly the director does as well. Absolutely, no, the director realizes the, the director now. Believe it or not, there is a worse version of this movie. Oh, really? The director originally made. Is the, it the Snyder cut? <laughs> yes. No, the director made the movie. And after they had finished making it, he and the rest, uh, I guess his main crew of people who had worked with, they watched the movie back and they decided as a, as a community that it was awful. They, they hated what they'd made and they were like, there's, there's some stuff that we want that was good here, but it, the movie took so long to make, their equipment kept breaking down, all this shit. And so they ended up uh, deleting the entire movie and then remaking the entire thing from scratch in, oh, under, wow. in under a month. 
they 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 took they spent three years making the movie, deleted the whole thing, and remade the entire thing in under a month. Uh, suck it, Christopher Plummer. I guess. <laughs> Why Christopher Plummer? Because you replaced Kevin Spacey in that one movie. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I'm mo- sorry you didn't get my topical reference from five uh, years ago. All the money in the world, yes. yes. Uh, and uh, Or to be more topical, Tignataro. Captain <laughs> Alex is dead. He's been shot. The soldiers turn the camp upside down, searching everywhere. Soldiers are all very sad at the death of Captain Alex. People, multiple people, uh, start yelling, Who killed Captain Alex? We then cut to the, the bad guy's lair, where they're also asking. In fact, Richard goes right into camera. Who, who killed, killed Captain, Captain Alex? Alex? Who? And one of the only lines that's actually in English in the movie. Yeah. Like, who killed Captain Alex? Who? Uh, we find out that the soldiers that they kidnapped are named Ken and John. Yeah. Great. But, this is uh, the kind of world building that makes uh, Wakaliwood great. <laughs> exactly. We then cut back to, it's in the middle of the day back at the base. The soldiers are still trying to recover from the events of the previous night. And Captain Alex's brother shows up. I don't think he's ever given a name. I don't... Okay, I wanted to confirm with you that I was not just crazy. I don't think he's ever given a name. I don't believe so. I think he's just Captain Brother. Captain Brother uh, asks about the progress of the investigation, if they have any suspects. And just he's asks. our Angela Lansbury, really, yes. because he they don't want him involved in the official, official investigation. No, the minute he walks out of, out of earshot, they're immediately like just lambass he was like fucking civilians yeah coming up the works and all this shit you could have told him to leave the fucking tent guy you're the one who said yeah go into his tent and check for clues and he immediately finds a very obvious clue that nobody looked for being vicky's walkie-talkie that they left behind which is how they're able to listen in and find out not only is vicky a spy but also that uh the tiger mafia did not kill uh, Captain Alex. Captain Alex, but instead are just as confused at what's going on as they are. Of course, they end up dismissing that evidence because it doesn't fit into their narrative and immediately just start saying, ah, they probably killed him anyway. Yeah. Despite that making no sense. First, the official ruling is uh, autoerotic asphy- asphyxiation. <laughs> then they change it to murder by the Tiger Mafia. I mean, that's always where my mind immediately goes whenever that, anyone dies. When... I have a side hustle as a coroner. Yes, I know. Yeah. Um, that's always like all my forms just say that. <laughs> I just I just pre-write it in and then when I go there, if it's not that, I white it out. Right. And yeah. I, I rewrite it. Unless you're not feeling like doing the work that day. And like, then you just, yeah. like you didn't you just leave it there. I've been to several car crashes that ended up being <laughs> autoerotic as- asphyxiations. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some was like Grandmother dies. You just leave it yeah. as a rock asphyxiation because you want you want her family to feel like she had an you exciting. You want them to life. have a laugh. You want them to know that she had an exciting life. Grandma had a little secret. Yeah. The walkie-talkie finds also has a card that has a big TM for Tiger Mafia. Yeah. <laughs> it's it. like a business card. It's yeah. It's the biggest business logo of the Tiger Mafia is a little tiger picture and the big TM Meow. on it. Meow. Captain Brother is a. Martial arts expert. He's the best fighter in the movie. He's the best fighter. And he, he goes to the the temple where he learned his 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 martial arts ways, which in this movie is, of course, an abandoned warehouse. Yep. Also a note from the commentary. This is the 37th chamber of the Shaolin. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I would love that. But this, this warehouse where they were filming was right across the street from an actual encampment of some soldiers... That they were very nervous about. Yeah. So they spent all most of their time filming this martial arts fight scene, trying to stay out of eye line of these soldiers, 
so that they didn't come over and start harassing them for whatever the fuck that they for would, being in this abandoned warehouse just, where they yeah, probably shouldn't have been probably shouldn't have been exactly so uh the entire time while while they're doing these martial this martial arts fight scene to, to establish that captain brother is is a badass know that the actors are all really terrified for their lives <laughs> <laughs> as they were many times while making this movie some sometimes it's it's tough out there for an artist, I guess. But uh, they're they're doing this martial arts scene. The director, funnily enough, on the commentary says, "Yeah, he's a pretty good martial artist. He's not as good as as my as as my brother, uh, but my brother is too shy to get in front of the camera, so oh. I had to I had to go with him, I guess." Which <laughs> like, just seems unnecessarily mean because the guy's yeah, great. He is great. <laughs> Again, he's the best fighter in the movie. He's he's going through this abandoned warehouse asking for the master, and everyone says, "You can't you can't see the master." But then they get into a big fight, which is a pretty fucking great fight. And the master enters wearing a fishing hat, and 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 when Captain Brother says, "I need to avenge my brother's death," uh, the master says, "Martial arts is not for revenge. It is about physical fitness and well being." Which is, I found interesting because that's something that they hammer into your head when you take martial arts as a kid. They always say that. And that is, according to the commentary track, that is why they included it in the movie as well. Is because the director and his brother and this guy who plays Captain Brother were all raised as martial artists. And Mm -hmm. to them, that was the most important thing to get across in the movie when including martial arts is that revenge is never the answer. So they decide to do that by having one character say it and then have the rest of the movie focus on revenge. Yeah. You know, like you do. Yeah. It's like, I was going to say it's like Unforgiven, but really the point of Unforgiven is don't cut up prostitutes. (laughs) That is also the point of the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. It's then revealed that Vicky has been allowed back into the soldier's camp, even though that they know that she's a spy. The idea is because... They know that she's working for the Tiger Mafia. They're allowing to stay behind so they can figure out where the Tiger Mafia is. And also so that she can stay on as their cook. Because I guess she she's a, she might be a spy, but she makes a mean pot roast. We then cut back to Captain Brother, who is hanging out in a rope bed in a tree. He he's, we again showing that he's he's a badass. He's not only a martial artist, but he's a survivalist. He can just set up his own rope bed in a tree. He jumps down from the the tree and starts a fire. And uh, then, as he's out a wandering, he comes yep. across um, Richard's uh, wife. Yes, which uh, I believe is the same wife from the beginning. But yeah, the one who was shot through the throat. Yes, but now her wound seems to be in the shoulder. <laughs> Okay, so I'm not nuts. No, like, no, I believe that's the same woman. I was wondering if uh, this is supposed to be a different wife. I don't believe so. <sighs> I'm pretty sure it's the same one. I think you're probably right, because that's what I wrote down too. But like, again, so last time we because saw... Because my movie, note is literally, uh, damn, it's pretty cold to shoot your wife, then leave her to die for days in the wilderness. Is <laughs> pretty cold. But yeah, so she's she's still alive. Her, her wound has migrated yes. to the shoulder, as wounds often do. Uh, he gives her something... Well, it's gravity. The wound travels down your body. Right. Oh, of course. Of course. Uh, he gives her something to drink. Uh, I assume it's more paint water, but I'm not sure. Probably. She claims to not remember who she is. I wasn't clear if this was a ruse on her part or actual amnesia. I don't think it matters. It doesn't really matter. It's probably just plot convenience, so she can't be like, here's where Tiger Mafia are. Right. Uh, he, he asks her about her shoulder and gives her something to change into, and then tells her not to bleed on it which I'm not sure is something that she can really control at I this think point. it's a joke. Oh, okay. 
I'm pretty uh, sure it's a joke. So we cut back to the commandos having a meeting about the death of Captain Alex. They swear revenge. They do not believe that Richard had nothing to do with this, so they're going to yes. take. They're going to aim all their frustration at him. And they're like, "Well, who's going to lead us?" And they decide that there is a commando, the perfect commando, who's an expert in killing drug dealers. And has worked all around the world. All around the world. Russia, Pakistan, And everywhere. I was like, are they going to hire tracks? Well, he is on vacation in Uganda. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe that's where he, he's trying to learn uh, cookie making techniques. Yeah. From, from the famous Uganda. Ugandan cookies. Uh and they say that that if if they stay with him, he will crush the Tiger Mafia once and for all. Cut back to uh, Captain Brother doing a, a full training montage. Mm-hmm. He, he runs in water like Rocky and Apollo Creed. He does he does push ups. He does martial arts in in water, which is actually like a real training technique. Yeah, it, to... again, it's all very. Th- Thirty sixth chamber. Yes, very much so. He's he's got a big old stick with a string on it that he uses to fish, mm-hmm. which I thought was endearing. Uh, this is where the first time that I noticed "Kiss from the Rose" playing yeah. on the soundtrack. Meanwhile, Richard has kidnapped a news team. Yes, and is using them Joker style to broadcast on all TV channels and announces evil plans. Mm-hmm. He kills a bunch of people on screen. He kills a bunch of people, including, again, more of his own men yeah. on, on screen, and tells the world that he is the Tiger Mafia. He is Richard the Tiger Mafia. And I wrote down a note, Richard the Tiger Mafia versus Richard the Lionheart uh, in the Battle of the Century. We see that, this, again, the soldiers see this on TV and they're like, oh no, Richard is... Richard's <laughs> Richard's out of control, Richard's maybe. out of control, man. We gotta take him down. Again, I want to emphasize how fucking great Richard's performance is oh, in this yeah. movie. He, he actually almost hinges on like a creepy performance in the scene because again he's coming off as like a really unhinged crazy yeah. person on this camera is it's, this where he's shouting i want my brother yeah he's like crying and yeah. shouting on the on the camera he like yeah if you were if you were being held hostage by a guy who's just crying and screaming like this yeah you'd be pretty fucking scared for for your life uh Meanwhile, Captain Brother sees that the lady is asleep and sees a big tattoo of TM. Mm-hmm, that's uh, her branding. Her branding on her on her lower back. That uh, does appear to be drawn. Oh on man, in, she's in trademarked. And tra- <laughs> she's trademarked. Uh, thankfully, he doesn't. He he doesn't uh, immediately sell her out or yeah. try and kill her. He just asks to hear her story. And we get uh, a flashback to see that she did not become Richard's wife willingly. Willingly, she, she was, was literally uh, tortured. tortured. Although part of the torture just involves her getting splashed with water. Right. This is like. Uh, but she is uh, strung up from the ceiling, so yeah. that adds a distress element to it. Well, this is another thing where you can tell that like they've seen a lot of movies. Yes. So in a, it's a, it's a it's a common thing in torture scenes. People get water thrown yeah. on them. Oh yeah. No, uh, I I understood the reasoning behind it. Right. So there, that's that's included in there. But in and. Uh, but she's screaming like she's getting uh, splashed with hot piss. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And. Uh, She's even being, and ironically, she's even being tortured by the other wives. Like, yeah, you, you, you're going to join this this family, and they creepily ask her, uh, "When's the wedding date?" 
Yeah, exactly. It's it's actually a, a pretty effective it's, scene. It is. Here's where I really began to lose the thread of the film. Yeah, this is where the plot starts to kind of fall apart a little bit. I, I had trouble, uh, mm-hmm. like, mostly because I tell people apart by hair, and everyone sort of has the same haircut in this. Uh, being mm, military people, yes. like, it's all pretty close-cropped. Very much um, so. So once everyone was running around, here's where we get to the the finale of the movie. Yes, the big action set piece where the commandos yes. raid uh, the, the Tiger Mafia headquarters. The new commando who's taken over, who is not Drax, his name is Rock. Yes, uh, who is another actor I really love in the movie. And oh yeah, he's great. He's and actually one of the more understated actors in the film. Yeah. Yeah, he's pretty great. But yeah, this is where the the next big fight scene takes place with even bigger stunts and set pieces. Mm-hmm. This this was a big problem behind the scenes because this is another scene where just beyond the trees there was a whole platoon of real soldiers. Okay. They did have permission to film there. They weren't afraid of being in trouble for that. But the director was so scared because the actors kept getting way too into their work. Mm-hmm. And he kept telling them, we're going to film this action scene silently... And then we're going to get out of here and we're going to add an ADR after. But the actors kept getting way too invested and kept yelling things like, attack or kill them all <laughs> with real soldiers just on the yeah. other side of the trees. And the director was so fucking upset the entire process of filming it. But there's some great moments of like the Russian guy swinging on a vine and yep. sh- shooting haphazardly into the, into the crowd. Uh, there are a couple of scenes in this movie where, if you look close enough, the same actor both shoots and is shot in by the same <laughs> by the same bullet. And it's again, I made great. I made the note: Why does this have better fight editing than the ha- half the movies I've seen? Probably more than half, honestly. Yeah, uh, this is where the big set piece that uh, people mostly know this movie for happens with the helicopters. Yes. Again, the helicopters were included because of. Uh, a traumatic experience in the director's childhood where he and his grandmother and his siblings were chased down by a helicopter through the streets of his own village, which sounds like um, one of the worst things that could oh, happen yeah. to you as a child. That sounds awful, and I'm sorry you had to go through that, dude. But uh, some gentlemen get into a helicopter, and they, yep. uh, they literally get to the choppa. They literally get to the choppa. So there are two forces of choppas. There's the choppas that are on the side of the commandos who are raiding the Tiger Mafia's base, which they say looks kind of like a school because they were filming in an abandoned school. (laughs) Just like me. Just like me wandering the halls of abandoned schools in my cloak with my candle. Another cute thing, uh, since making this movie, they got enough money, they refurbished that school. Oh, wonderful. And people, kids are being taught in that school again. Which is uh, so fucking great. That's great. Uh, but while the commandos are, are bombing the, the thing that kind of looks like a school, uh, one of the Tiger Mafia guys, I believe Puffs, steals one of the helicopters and goes and bombs the city. Okay. Okay, yeah. so that's what was happening. Again, I kind of lost the thread. Right. And at this point, I was... And this is where some of the most... Uh, head-tiltingly bad effects take place. Yeah. Again, it's not... There's digital blood that has uh, hard 90-degree uh, angle edit marks along the side. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the, the effects involved in making the helicopters fly over these clearly uh, animated cities yes. and, and blowing up. Now, let's be clear. I don't know how to do any of the shit that they did no. in this movie. I couldn't do... If you asked me to make a movie... With a bunch of helicopters blowing up buildings, could I do anything better than they did? No, absolutely fucking not. 
we're not making fun of them for this, but at the same time, it is a bad effect. And you can enjoy that. And again, yes. like the director knows without, it. Without it, mocking the shit out of them yeah. or making them or punching because, them again, down at they them. they did it. They did they it. They did it. They did. They and made the fucking movie. Clearly. And they even made a point to make sure he made a point that the missiles always fire out of the back of the helicopter instead of forward like we would see in a movie in America because that's the way the helicopters always did it when he was growing up. Really? Yeah. He made sure that that detail was included. That's crazy. They lay that eye, eye for detail, even even in effects as as that appear as slipshod to us. Yeah. They're not. They he put a lot of passion and love into the stuff. Absolutely. He just didn't have a lot of resources, which is fine. Um. But yeah, so so they're big big old fight scenes and and everything's going down. People are getting killed left, right, and center. All of the name characters are dead by the end of the movie. Yes. Uh, Captain Brother is dead. I think. I believe so. He has an extended martial arts fight scene, and then I think an entire building falls on him. I'm not sure. I think so. Things get very chaotic towards yeah. the end. And then, at the very end of the movie, uh, again, many more playings of Kiss from a Rose, by the way, during da -da -da, the fight scene. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And then at the very end of the movie, we have what I consider to be the, the punchline of the film. During the making of the film, there were riots and unrest taking place in Uganda. Okay. Um, in a potentially contentious, controversial mood, at the end of the film, actual footage from these riots is inserted into the film. Okay. These are real riots that actually happen. You can see the police cracking down on, on protesters, uh, in scenes very reminiscent of what's been going on in America recently. The reason why in universe that these riots are going on is because a police helicopter or a police military helicopter, whatever, a helicopter is supposed to be piloted by the good guys, just bombed the fuck out of the city. Yeah. And the people in the city are like, fuck, fuck the fuck Captain Alex, fuck the soldiers. What the fuck? And they, they started, they started rioting. Uh, at the end of the movie... And Aaron Sorkin shows up and writes a script about it. Right. That changes everything. Instead of a helicopter, it's a tortoise. It's, it's, a, it's a tortoise, and he makes all the... all the and, it, and very much both sides of the issue. Yeah. Uh, but a soldier is talking to a minister on the phone, talking about how they've just established martial law, watching it on the news. Uh, the, and the minister asks if there's going to be much more trouble... And the, the soldier said, and again, this is a soldier that we've seen throughout the movie. He's one of the good guys, supposedly. He says, oh no, minister, everything should be completely safe from now on. Ugandans love martial law. Mm-hmm. Uh, which you can't get more satirical than that. Well, we don't know enough about Uganda to say they don't. <laughs> That's true. We've done no research. They might really all. love it. It That's might true. make them feel safe. That's possible. Uh I don't know that I wouldn't love martial law. Yeah. I've never experienced it. But I love again, like in in even in this very very intentionally silly, goofy action movie, yeah. which was clearly more an excuse just to get something out there, do something creative. They still managed to make one of my main problems. In fact, with watching American action movies, is how pro military they are. Yes, I have a huge problem with. Movies that glorify war and military service. Absolutely, Absolutely. Uh, and, I, I, and uh, after the year and a half that we've had, I've had I have a big problem with movies that glorify the fucking cops as well. Yes. Um, but uh, this movie manages to somehow walk a line where the commandos both come across as sympathetic 
and a huge fucking problem. Yes. That is fucking impressive. At the end of the at the very very end of the movie as the credits roll, there is a song and music video honoring once again one of the films, one of the directors IGG's uh, grandmother, specifically Rachel, uh, and about how she raised him and, and risked her life so many times raising him and, and all the kids that she was she was like a den mother of a bunch of kids who'd been displaced in the gotcha. village and, and raised them all. <sighs> Jennifer Aniston is so great. <laughs> she she is. And uh, I, I wrote down in my final notes on the film where like, I have legitimately no problem saying this film is art. And then over at the very end of the credits, they advertise a whole bunch of more movies that they have coming out, including uh, Plan 9 from Uganda, <laughs> which I can't fucking wait for that. And that'll be great. Uh, Juba the Snake Girl. Ooh. Rescue Team. And the cannibals. And that was uh, who killed Captain Alex. And my last note was, wait, they're not going to answer the title? No. Because they, they do they not. Never do. They never it's do. it's not important. It's not fucking important. And that's another thing is that uh, they mentioned that in um, Captain Alex being one of their most popular films is one of the only discs you can buy that has English subtitles. Most of their discs that you buy do not have English subtitles on them. And in the note that was sent along with the movie uh, to me, uh, they explained that if you were a real super fan of they 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 call their their fans super fans and super mm-hmm. commandos. Uh, if you're a real super fan, you will understand that when, in Wakaliwood, action is a language unto its own. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes you don't need to know all the answers. The action is what's important. I think we both really enjoyed watching who killed yes, Captain Alex. this is a this is a very unique experience Absolutely. um not just because of the the uganda of it all but just <laughs> the uh, uganda of it all to see a low budget action movie that really works and doesn't it yeah. leans into its deficiencies rather than cover it up with garbage like, right there are a lot of action movies, uh, really low-budget action movies, that just don't fucking work. No. And most of the time, the problem is is that they they skimp on the action, which is the one thing in an action movie you yeah. can't fucking skimp on. Because the, of the budget constraints. And right. here they're like, fuck the budget constraints, let's do it, even if yeah. it looks bad. Anybody, and, and they did it by getting, by just having the heart to do yeah. it. Like, having the community that was willing to throw their all... Into for I'm guessing probably no money. I don't think anyone was getting paid to just throw it all in. Apparently there was one guy who did a stunt. Uh, he pinpoints in the document in the in the commentary. I don't remember which one it was. Someone did a stunt very early on in the movie and got like slightly hurt and yeah. got so angry he will not talk to the director anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but because they all live in a slum, they all live close and close to each other. They can't avoid each other. But every every time the director as is looking for people to be in his movies again, the guy will just get like really snippy with him. <laughs> but yeah, so that was uh, Who Killed Captain Alex, the first movie made, first action movie made in Uganda, made by Ramon Productions and Wakaliwood, the best of the best movies. I absolutely recommend, even if you don't watch this movie, to check out their website, check out their Patreon. 
if you can support what they're doing, because I think that they are an absolute force for good in this world. Sure. Both artistically and in the way that they're taking care of their community and, and providing for the kids there. 100%. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening, and may God have mercy on us all.